0: it's jose Galison, and no way jose you can find me on the no way jose youtube channel also on just about everywhere you can find podcasts at um also on the liberty movement youtube channel and bit bit shoot as well this episode will not be on that because a little more political i know it's a little ironic i got that intro this is non-political that was kind of my brand starting out kind of expanding a little bit probably ought to change that but uh daniel elwood did me a solid of the actual anarchy podcast and he made that up for me so uh And I'm kind of a tech-tard, so I'll uh, I'll get around to one day figuring out and getting a little better intro. But I really liked liked what he made for me. So whatever, we'll just have to ignore that it had that one little non-political blip. But that's kind of usually generally a focus on my uh, thing. Uh, But today, my guest is James Gentleman of the Blackbird Podcast, formerly the uh, Urban Agorist. Um, Maybe he'll go into that a little bit about his brand change. Uh, Today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I'm trying out this new thing. I'm calling him Jose Hangouts. And, uh, you know, kind of think of it like a bargain brand Dave Smith type format with a rotating Robbie, if you will. Um, Kind of just going to do like current events, more free flowing, kind of shoot the shit. Um, Yeah, that's kind of what I'm going for. And uh, obviously it's going to be kind of more political, especially with this week. Uh, It's been a fucking shit show this week. So this will will be a real fun one. Uh, Before we get into it, I just want to I mean, I did this in the last episode as well. A request for all you tech people go check out nthefed.app and give me some feedback. Let me know what you think of it. Some I'm looking into, you know, getting more involved with. And I want to, yeah, it's just, I find it really, really cool thing. It's a person to person crypto powered uh, app store. And uh, especially with all the parlor stuff that happened this, this uh, past week, you, it's kind of like we need to kind of diversify a little bit there. Obviously, I like the crypto aspect of it. Uh, yeah, I think I've rambled enough. I'm going to go ahead and bring on James, and we're just going to shoot the shit about this uh, crazy-ass week. What's up, James?
1: Hey. <laughs> so, uh, considering Robbie is both smarter and funnier than Dave, it's an honor to be your rotating <laughs> Robbie for tonight.
0: Wow, that is, uh, that is a controversial statement right out the gate.
1: <laughs> hey, no, you know what? I did, a, I did a poll in the Part of the Problem inner circle group before it got zucked, and the majority thought that Robbie was funnier than Dave.
0: I actually was the one who voted for that. I, uh, there you go. <laughs> I would say Dave's smarter, but Robbie's funnier. But it's like, it depends because because Robbie is the foil to Dave. Yeah. So like, and he, he, I think he has excellent comedic timing. So being a co-host, he's fucking phenomenal because Jay will go on his rants and just come in with this punchy like quip that just like perfectly like just hits it. Whereas I don't feel like that's Dave's brand of comedy. Like he's not the one that just comes in with a, you know, a one-liner and just like, you're like, whoa. <laughs> like, he hits you with this, like, uh, very neural, like, funny shit. You're like, oh, that, that is funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, he, need, he has a different style of comedy. So, I feel like that's why when you put the two together, you get that brand, that uh you get the impression that he is funnier. And I think in that situation of the part of the problem, he actually is kind of funnier. But I think, like, if I saw their stand-up, I've never seen their stand-up. So, I don't know. I, I like Dave's stand-up. So, I don't know who would be better in the stand-up department. But for... Being a foil to Dave, he kind of he makes himself seem funnier, and I I really feel like that was that's what makes Robbie a great co-host. <laughs> All
1: right, but, well, as the yeah, and as the bargain brand, Dave, he's never going to watch this, so you can stop sucking up to him.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. I'm
1: just it's fine. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. You're
0: good. You're good. Uh, so I figured I know we've already had you on a few times, but I mean, we me, me and you are both pretty fledgling fledgling uh, podcasters. I feel like it's good to probably have give, go ahead and have you introduce yourself again to the audience so they can uh, let you know what's up, uh, or you let them know what's up, who you are, all that good stuff. Oh, sure.
1: Yeah, so I'm James. Uh, I host the Blackbird podcast, formerly Urban Agorist. Um, I guess, and the, so the reason that I've changed the title of my podcast and sort of everything, um, so I don't know how much longer I'm going to be urban, for starters, I mean... Uh, with the way stuff's going, living in the middle of a city is probably not the wisest thing in the world. Um, and, you know, we'll get into this, actually, I think probably later on. But agorism, I think, is is the best sort of lifestyle for someone who loves freedom and uh, and wants to be sort of separate from the political and the state. Uh, but it's not it's not the only thing I want to focus on. Um, so uh, I went with Blackbird because it's the title of the Beatles song, Blackbird, obviously, um, <clears throat> where, you know, the bird is learning to fly, learning to see, um, even though his wings are broken, even though he's got sunken eyes, so he's, like, blind. But, uh, you know, taking all of his defects and handicaps and stuff and still making the best of it, um, I think it's a pretty cool message for someone who, feels handicapped by the sort of mechanisms of control that try to, um, you know, and whether that's the state or the, the social networks trying to censor you or whatever um, it's, it's a, or even yourself, you know, your own, your own sort of self limitations. Um, so I, I, I've, my goal has been to kind of not be as political, although um I did just have Pete Quinones on and it was nothing but libertarian party in, uh, inside baseball. So, (laughs) uh, and then Monica Perez before him, um, before her, I did have Alex Hatch from Mantafly, which is great. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I think I'm going to, I'm going to have a pretty good balance between pseudo political entrepreneur stuff, personal development, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. You brought up a few things there I could, I could launch off of. Oh yeah, I, want, I kind of want to bring the Blackbird thing. When you first told me about that, I was a little hesitant about the name, but then I did watch a little intro episode explaining it, and I also saw the, the your logo that you came with, and I just felt like it weirdly fit your aesthetic. I feel like sometimes aesthetics a hard thing to like explain to people, Like, but once you see it, and you see the logo, and see how it all comes together, and then also the meaning behind it, I actually feel like it weirdly fit, and especially it's also, you are the urban agorist, and I just feel like, I mean, I'm agorist as well, and I feel like it weirdly, the way you explained it, it kind of encapsulate what agorism is in a sense without having this lofty attachments that some people might get scared off by. So I I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the other thing I, you know, I had invited a couple of people on and they didn't want to be on a political uh, podcast. And I don't, I don't want to be branded as a political podcast, you know? And I feel like just that having like the political philosophy of agorism even though it's you know kind of anti-politics it'll scare a lot of people off so um it didn't yeah. really help my brand that you know yeah it's
0: one of those things you don't really get unless you're inundated like you just for a lot of people just know that is a political philosophy but they don't really actually understand the ins and outs of it for us being agorists, we're like um well that's not it's not really that political it's political technically but not really but <laughs>
1: like
0: you know it's like the same way that atheists are religious it's like yeah, kind of
1: like,
0: <laughs> sorta, <of>, not really. <laughs> I mean, I, obviously, you can go on a whole other tangent about how some atheists are religious in a way. Yeah, but, but. <laughs> that's
1: a, what's um, God, what's the name of that guy that he's he's one of the he's one of the the famous atheists? He's got that show that uh, he and Jordan Peterson. Wait, um, Matt Delonte? No, damn it! What's the name sure. of the show? I would you were going
0: to say the debate because I know Jordan Peterson debated Matt and Now
1: was, it wasn't really a debate; they were talking about truth, and yeah. Jordan Peterson thought true was like an arrow flies true; it's straight; it's going towards its thing, and this guy was like, "No, true is like object uh, objectivity, like scientific truth." Um, <clears throat> I think his podcast is called "Waking Up," something like that.
0: I know that like slightly rings a bell, but not really. So I'm I I here. Sam Harris, yes, guy. Yeah. yeah, I used to listen to him a lot. Yeah. No. Yeah.
1: He uh, he says he doesn't he doesn't like the word atheist because it makes theism the default. Mm-hmm.
0: Like Yeah, you're it, defining it, yourself by not being theist, yeah. Yeah. So, so. I I yeah, I get that. Yeah, uh, Sam Harris is an interesting fellow, too, because he has a whole the theory of, uh, like, spirituality as a uh, non-religious person, which I kind of... I did an episode with uh, John Hartman recently where he's into, like, mindfulness and stuff and, like, uh, you know, Eastern philosophy, karma, meditation, that all that kind of sh- stuff, the stuff that you don't even really need to attach religion to. And I just, I just found that interesting. That it's like you can kind of still have spirituality without having to believe in a higher power, necessarily. So, yeah, I mean, that was a little bit of a... Kind of going on all sorts of tangents here, but uh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah, I also wanted to mention you brought up your episode, and I I did like almost a, it's funny because I feel like we're almost like sister or brother shows, if you will, because we kind of start at the exact same time, um, but like ironically, right at the same time, I record an episode with Sal the Agorist on like you know why agorism and politics are like incompatible. You did a you around the same time record an episode with Pete on why like he, you should do the two together kind mm-hmm. of deal. Which I mean, obviously, me and Sal would probably disagree, but I, I mean, that'll be that'll be a topic we bring up later. So that'll be that'll be interesting. But you know, instead of being around Bush, let's hop into it. Let's talk about the uh, crazy ass week we've had. Uh, obviously, the folks <laughs> is be the Capitol building.
1: When you yeah, when you invited me on, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna have to read the news. I don't know if I want to do that because you know, I I just I don't follow stuff like I used to. i have been so burnt out on on current events in the last year. Uh, it's kind of been impossible to avoid this week. So thank you for inviting me this week and not, you know, two weeks from now after the inauguration. After Joe Biden, our president-elect, is inaugurated president for all the Q-tards out there. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Capitol thing. What uh, what happened?
0: <laughs> oh, you don't know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I honestly, I, I only loosely pay attention. So this will be fun. Me and you, both people who are kind of both got burnt out on it, like kind of giving our take from only loosely paying attention and not doing a ton of homework. I'll be honest. But obviously the, the, what we heard is that a bunch of Trump supporters got all riled up at a Trump rally and took over the Capitol. And, uh, for me, the, uh, there is that like one, I mean, I'm an anarchist. yeah You're an anarchist, agorists are kind of anarchists. So, I mean, for me, I don't know about you, there was a small part of me, that same feeling I kind of had with the BLM riots, especially when they first started, before they started again, like, okay, now this is just turning into some, like, commie, kill the, eat the rich type shit. Like, I kind of, when they were burning down, like, police stations and shit, I was kind of like, yes! (laughs) Like, like part of me is kind of like, maybe this is not smart, and I, and it may not end well, but part of me is like, I mean... If you're going to go after someone, I mean, <laughs> that no, is the get, one to go after. <laughs> you, get,
1: you get like a little uh a little rush, like a little just a little dopamine knowing that you know someone's doing something that kind of further's your cause even though they're not doing it for the same reasons that you would have them do it. Not that you would do it. Not not outside of Minecraft anyway. do
0: <laughs> you say to, to, to serve your cause cuz I actually in a way, it kind of does because it doesn't didn't serve their cause because of their point. But for me and you, I would make the case that this, in the long term, would serve our cause. But I'll, I'll let you go on.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it didn't serve their cause. That's why I thought it was a. That's why I thought it was a big uh, hoax at the beginning. Um, although I guess the the Viking the Viking dude has recently been interviewed by a reputable news source for what that's worth. And I guess he Yeah, I guess he's a I guess he's a legit Trump supporter who uh just uh, you know, got a little got a little out of hand or something. Um I don't know. I look you you watch the you watch the video and look at the pictures. I mean those people were let in. It's not like they were it's not like they were just like bum rushing the Capitol. You know, they they were they were walking in between the velvet ropes like tourists. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know what to make uh, of all that because, yeah, that I is a – I'm not yeah. – it
0: seems you're a little more conspiracy-minded than I am sometimes. I mean, I, I do believe there are conspiracies. I'm just not one to generally jump there. I mean, I might entertain it for fun, but, I mean, that, it, that was very weird that I was like that definitely implies something there. But, I mean, it always is like it could just be one or two bad actors. Who knows?
1: Well, and, you know, I mean, protesting in the Capitol is not unheard of. I mean, they've you – know, you've had – Congress people leading in protesters into the Capitol. It's just that they don't, they don't enter the chambers. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, either security thought, Hey, these people are going to protest just like normal. uh, And so we'll let them do that. Just, you know, stay between these ropes and protest your heart out. Or, um, you know, the, the powers that be in Congress knew it was coming and decided to make a huge story out of it. Or if you really want to put on your tinfoil hat, Trump's part of it. And, uh, you know, I mean, he he egged him on. He knew it was going to happen. He knew that it was going to be blown out of proportion. He even maybe even knew that, you know, people were going to die. But, you know, I mean, what's five deaths to the technocrats who, you know, want to be rolling us?
0: Yeah, we did have the five deaths. Do you know, per se, I know there was one that got shot by the cops, but were the rest just like happenstance deaths or were I mean, because I know there was like I think one person like a heart attack or some shit I think it was just random medical stuff because I mean anytime you have a giant crowd of people I mean there's might be one or two people have some medical complications you know so and there were like it looked like thousands of people from what I saw there so I don't know if you recollect or no
1: um I don't know off the top of my head but I got a text from somebody the other day asking me if I knew (laughs) she had she had looked it all up and chronicled all the different deaths I don't know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to dig it up on my phone. But um no. yeah, so there was the lady that was apparently shot by the cops, although that um I don't know the I don't know the ins and outs of the skeptic the skeptical take on that. Um but uh you know, I mean that cop was firing to at her, but there were like other cops behind her. Um, you know, it was pretty reckless looking. Uh and then yeah, I guess one cop died, he like got beat to death by a fire extinguisher or something just brutal like that. That's oh. pretty goddamn metal. <laughs> I know, and uh, and then like the three others, I don't know. I, from what I understand, two of them were quote health related, uh, maybe a heart attack or a stroke or something like that. I don't know about the fifth one.
0: Yeah, no, it's always like it just is weird how they've been. The narrative has been around this whole thing that it's been this big crazy event. And don't get me wrong, it's like anytime anyone dies, is bad. And there, this was needless violence, and like it didn't serve anything. So in the grand scheme, it was probably not good. I mean, I guess me and you can make the case that maybe like in the end, it'll kind of like, kind of, I think it'll kind of take a lot of the conservatives or, or, you know, the, the right leaning folks and make them realize that like, Hey, uh, you're not going to get your, what you want out of the system, you know, kind of deal. But, um, yeah, it's just funny how they've been framing it when we had literally three months of fucking riots with people dying, businesses getting burned down, whole cities getting burned, like just insanity. And it's like, it's like for, for, like literally while I was taking a dump this morning, I saw like a, a, a tweet from AOC about something about like, uh, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm learning more and more to love Twitter. <laughs> Cause I just saw like, and even though I never got any reply at all, there was something from like AOC about like going on about like, um, about how uh, the fucking, uh, like how these Congress members who supported and, and, you know, pushed this event or or like made it worse or whatever, how they should be held accountable. And then I just like, you know, just sit on the toilet, just like sit in the toilet messaging AOC going, well, well we're so we're going to apply the same standard to the ones who do the same thing with the three months of riots. Right. <laughs> Being consistent here, aren't we? <laughs> and so, yeah, I just thought it was it was funny. That's just like the way that narratives around this as if we didn't just come out of like months of riots.
1: <laughs> I know all of us. Su- all of a sudden the left uh, found a found a mob that they didn't like.
0: Yeah. Which is this is made from golden some golden ass memes because yeah like uh just the pearl clutching has been insane And it's just like we've reached a level where it's like they just assume that we aren't no one's paying attention it's like and the funny thing is though you'll meet real live people though that will like just parrot these talking points and just like what do, are you not seeing what uh, like what is going on it's it's not even it's so low effort at this point that's just like what what is going even going on here you know so.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you have to kind of look. I mean, who does benefit from this? Uh, even if, even if everything they say happened exactly how they say it happened, um, it's not. It's not Trump that's benefiting from this. It's not. It's not the right. I mean, it's the the. the, the there were people who weren't able to board airplanes for Christ's sake. Uh, what this serves is Joe Biden's. You know, domestic terrorism agenda, and on a grander scale, um, it serves the technocrats who, you know, in what in a week and a half are going to be descending upon Davos, Switzerland, to, you know, plot out our next decade. Um, that that's the that's that's who this serves. Uh, it serves the surveillance state. It it. It, uh, you know, I mean, it has nothing to do with Trump support. Yeah. Even, I mean, even if Trump is everything that everything that Trump supporters think he is, or everything that Trump detractors think he is, it doesn't serve him.
0: Yeah, I don't think it serves Trump either. But I would also make the case I don't think it's going to serve Biden, or the left in general, maybe, maybe Biden, because I do think maybe he'll get short term games out of it. I mean, the elite never really I'd ever face any consequences, even if it ends up moving the narrative more towards we would like it. Like, I don't think overall it's going to necessarily benefit the right or the left. I think it's going to, I think a lot of people, all right, good way to put it is look at what eight years of Obama did to, uh, uh, did to the right. We ended up with Trump because they, they were at eight years of being called racist, all this stuff. And, you know, just like, just completely shitting on them. Just like, kind of like a lot of what's going on here, but to a much more subtle, lesser degree. And now they are just overplaying their hand like crazy. And then on top of that, you've told in a roundabout way the right that, hey, I know you have all these concerns and you got your guy in. But while he was in, he was completely ineffectual, barely got anything done, done he wanted and didn't get reelected again to them, perceived that he got his election stolen from them. And so, like, what is this going to do in the long run? I, I actually I'm actually kind of pretty optimistic about this whole situation in the long run. I actually think Biden getting get in much like how Yarvin's been kind of saying recently. I think buying getting in is kind of going to be a positive for people like me and you. Maybe not in the short
1: term. (laughs) Can you you elaborate on Yarvin's thesis on that?
0: I mean, he kind of goes more into like – because he's really uh, on the the power structures and such. But he kind of goes into like uh, how – like if you – like when you're playing the political game, it's supposed to be like you want to benefit your friends and hurt your enemies. And he kind of goes into – What did uh, what did these four years of Trump do? It did the exact opposite because you're like you look at all the media and they've been doing like actually great because like they were like they were completely losing traction when under Obama because people were just like checked out because it's like for one they never had anything controversial or anything interesting to say whereas it was like even though it was just nonsense these past four years it was interesting so a lot of people were checking in because like the news kind of was dying. Under Trump, like stuff like mediums, like what we're doing now, were taken over. And yeah, and he's kind of going into too how like it didn't help Trump's the people who were his allies. Cause like, think about who Trump appealed to and did he really do anything to benefit them in any real way? I mean, you got like a a kind of marginal tax uh, decrease and some other like little things here and there, but not really. And that's kind of what Yarvin went into, and that's kind of why he thinks it actually will be good for, for Biden to get in, because you're kind of getting the same of what you're getting with Obama. He's basically just Obama 2.0, just a really shitty old white Obama.
1: <laughs> you know? All right. But so that's, that's, that's Yarvin's optimistic take, but Yarvin is not us.
0: No, I know. But I, I mean so, I, I kind of tie it into my thinking too and how it will like – I think it's going to detach a lot of people from believing in the political system in general.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I think I think if we play our cards right, that's a potential. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, you know, there's people above the cathedral. There's people that the media and the state and academia and now these you know giant tech companies who they report to in this hierarchy. Um, and those people, uh, they they think in generations. They don't think in like you know election cycles or news cycles. God forbid. Um, these are the people that have been funding communists and fascists and liberals you know for since since the civil war in america i mean and these are the people that i think are the ones that we really need to worry about um and that's why you know and that's not to not to skip to like another topic but that's why when i hear libertarians calling facebook and google and amazon and hell aig who aig just canceled a uh, some, I forgot his name. He's like a professional athlete turned conservative commentator. They canceled his insurance policy for his social media activity. I didn't hear that. That's fucking insane. Um, (laughs) All these, all these companies that libertarians love to call, you know, oh, they're, they're private. They they can do whatever the hell they want. They're not private. They're, 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 they're just not private. Um, These are, these are companies that are either directly founded by like Google, the deep state. Or are so entrenched in the deep state, like AIG, which was you know bailed out in 2008 and nine, um, that that they are part of the state. They're not private entities in any sense of the term. Other than that, shareholders own stock in them, which is another another issue when you come into when you get into it. Uh, this this fascist merging of corporation and state
0: yeah I mean this corporation stuff is literally what fascism is and that's it's funny that like people you hear the left screeching about fascism and it's like you guys don't even really know your fascism is your you know because I mean there's so much about that like corporate you know like progressive bullshit about like how they always focus on race and you know like oh yeah we're the company of like you know progressivism but in reality they're just serving you bullshit and they're I mean they're they're the fucking oh god I totally just lost my my train of thought but (laughs) <laughs> just completely shit out there. Uh, fuck. Uh, but yeah, God, what were we talking about? I completely just shit out. I don't know what my brain just kind of had a loopy loop there.
1: Uh, corporate, like private corporations versus just being part of the state. Yeah. Um,
0: I'll, I'll bring it back. to I, I kind of want to touch on too that. I, that's kind of why I really liked agorism when I first started reading it because it was like mm. it was like this next level thinking where like I feel like for some reason just like libertarian thinking and a lot of reading that I've done with the Virginian Circles, they just, like it's kind of like a point that while it's so obvious, most of them miss, they don't really go into much or focus on. And it's like, it's just that like corporations are this bastardized version of like a mixture of the market and the state. And so like, they are not something that would exist or at least exist to that capacity within a, uh, within a true free market. And yeah. but yet people have this like glorified, I don't know, like, rosy view of corporations for some reason. Like you get like the Ron Swansons who, you know, they made multiple jokes in parks and rec about like, Oh yep Like, you know, look at this park. Like if in a a true free market, we would be a corporation and we'd, you know, look at this tree and give them a dollar. And it's like, that's just like a lower base level thinking of like libertarianism where it's just that you're not really thinking to the next level, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't like it when libertarians like have Ron Swanson as their, as their avatar or whatever. Cause like he, I mean, he wasn't a sympathetic to libertarian character. He's a complete caricature of libertarians. Like he, he was making fun of you. Like, <laughs> uh, Kurt Schilling was the name of that. The guy who AIG canceled by the way.
0: Oh shit. Kurt. And, and that's, yeah, that's fucking nuts. Like, I mean, that's, that's like AIG was insurance, but still that's like a hops. That's like literally like, that's our, what AIG is like a financial company. Right. But they, I'm assuming they, they do they do insurance as well. Or they only do insurance.
1: I think AIG stands for American insurance group, but, uh, oh, okay. Well I'm talking yeah, about I mean, insurance is an invest like life insurance is an investment. It's, it's kind of intertwined between financial and, um, what lifestyle, I guess, uh, yeah. like insurance agents have a fiduciary responsibility to their clients and stuff like that. Yeah. That's a, which gets that, into, yeah. which, which gets into another thing. I mean, look, if you're, If your business is licensed, and I don't mean like you know, oh, I need to get a business license to start a retail, you know, a a mom and pop shop in my town or whatever. I mean, like if you need to get a license from the federal government to do business, um, for instance, starting a radio station, um, or again, like passing the insurance exam and getting your license to sell insurance. All of that stuff makes you beholden to the state. It's not. It's not like, you know, you're. Your, your local radio station is just free to say whatever they want. They're licensed, and if they, if they go off the reservation, not to use a culturally insensitive term, but uh, if they go, you know, off script or whatever, then they're going to lose their license. And it's getting to where that script that they can go off of is getting shorter and shorter and shorter, the number of things that they can say before getting canceled. Um, And that's an issue. That's a problem. It's not private companies doing whatever they want. It's private companies, ostensibly private companies that are so heavily regulated or so heavily in the pocket of, or, I mean, look, so thinking that they're doing the right thing because they're led by idiots, um, that they are part and parcel with the state, and you know if you if you look at like um, Vinarmani's work, which I know I bring up Vin Armani every single time I talk to anybody, uh, but he's right. Yeah, um, he's, he's got a, this. He's got guy. this. He's got this theory, and it's based on it's based on you know a Hindu um, philosopher named P. R. Sarkar, I think is his name. Uh, <laughs> funny, I can remember his name, but not Kurt Schilling. <laughs> uh, he, you know, there's there's like four different social what like zeitgeists you know the spirit of the age um you've got the common man and you've got the the um warrior and you've got the priestly like the the um priest philosopher type you've got the merchant the businessman and i would hold and i think history bears this out that and and so like the um the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, just kind of cycles from one to the other over and over again throughout history. And we were in the middle of the Enlightenment, the, the beginning of or, uh, this, this philosophical age where reason and rationality and logic and science and materialism ruled the day. And it, was, it, it reached its kind of zenith um, right around the founding of America, Marx was part of it. Um, the Austrians were part of it. Uh, but around the progressive era, when you had in America, um, business and science and government all merging together under Wilson, Roosevelt, the other Roosevelt. Um, it's, when, it's when science lost morality. It's when the, the, the scientists started building these massive weapons, um, that could wipe out humanity without any any uh, counting of the cost of that. Um, <clears throat> it's when technocracy was developed as a, a, an ideology. Um, it's when you know the railroad tycoons that were so heavily involved in the state that they they ran the parties. I mean, if you read Rothbard's Progressive Era book, you you can see where you know the these parties the republicans and democrats weren't ideological at all it was just like whether you were allied with the morgans or the or the rockefellers you know um i don't know if those are the two the two big names that he names but it's something like that
0: yeah it's funny and, i that the progressive era concepts was what i was totally building to with my brain fart
1: and then but then you brought oh, it good. well i'm glad I, i'm glad I, i'm glad i picked that up for you um <laughs> I hope it doesn't stink too bad. Haha, <laughs> get it? Because it's a brain fart?
0: Oh, it definitely does stink to me. I'm like, oh, man, stink. Uh, I had a uh, thing going. It just blew it.
1: <laughs> so the progressive era started this merging of state. And by state, I mean the philosophical class, the politicians, the modern day priesthood in the secular society um, with the merchant class. And what we're seeing now is the merchant class subsuming the political class and libertarians need to come to grips with that because if they don't if they continue to go down this Rothbardian not nothing against Rothbard the guy was the guy was absolutely brilliant obviously but he wasn't infallible and he didn't see what he was in the middle of because hindsight is 2020
0: i would actually say not to cut you off but i would actually say like, because I know reading the disagreements between Conkin and Rothbard, he actually seemed to concede a little bit on some of Conkin's points about corporations being a bastardized, bastardized like product of the state, yeah. but I think he just didn't put enough focus. And so that, that's kind of where we got lost. But go ahead. Yeah,
1: well, Sorry. and sure. And I mean, in the in the you know, 50s through the 80s when he was when he was writing, um, it wasn't it wasn't what it is today. You know, you didn't have you didn't have uh Twitter as the public square, like freedom of speech, excuse me, freedom of speech did not mean, you know, 24 seven access to everyone's earholes. It was, you know, the ability to publish a newspaper or whatever. Um, so Twitter in a lot of ways leveled that playing field so that the cathedral uh, was not the only ones who had freedom of speech. But on the other hand, now we're seeing that the cathedral really would like to be the only ones with freedom of speech, and so uh, they're the, they're they're laying it on Twitter pretty thick to to make sure that that happens, um, you know. And likewise, they want Amazon and Google and Facebook to be monitoring our every move. Uh, Derek Bros has a really good video out right now, um, talking about the origins of google for instance i mean i didn't know this but you know google was heavily funded by the defense or the the intelligence agencies
0: damn near all um, the big
1: tech shit is but yeah yeah i know i know and i had heard it i just didn't i didn't i didn't know it like i didn't i hadn't really put two and two together i guess um facebook is also kind of fishy it was uh there was a darpa program um i think it was called like Live stream or something like that that uh was, you know, just like Facebook, you were connecting with one another and just putting your life out on on Front Street for everybody to, to see. Uh, and and um, according to Derek Rose, now, I, you know, I mean, I can't I can't I, I can't verify it. But according to Derek Rose, the day that this DARPA program was closed down was the day that Facebook went into business. Which I mean, is, to
0: add to it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no,
1: it's fine. Can, your, your yeah, turn.
0: I, I was going to have a silly aside. I was just saying to add to it. I mean, you look at fucking as Zuckerberg and try to tell me that that is not some sort of lizard person or a robot wearing a fucking skin suit. <laughs> like, yeah, I know, there's barely a human in there.
1: <laughs> yeah. It for me to, to be David Icke, but yeah, if anybody is a lizard person, it's him. <laughs> um, And then, you know, Amazon's another tough one because Amazon's not as it doesn't censor as much as the as the other ones in this space. Hey, you just dropped something, dude.
0: Yeah, I just knocked over a chair behind me. That's totally great <laughs> for uh,
1: content. But go on. Are you are you standing up? Do you stand up when you do these?
0: Yeah, I like to. I feel like it helps dissipate that like nervous energy of talking. Yeah, I probably yeah. should
1: do that. I fidget too much, or else I just sit here with my hand in my my head in my hand. Yeah. For those listening, I'm I'm like lounged on a desk chair with my feet up.
0: I also uh, try to like drink something because it kind of like it's like that like Talladega yeah. Nights thing like what do I do with my hands? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I've got I've got three different drinking vessels. One of them's empty though. Uh, anyway, what, what was oh Amazon? So yeah, I mean Amazon. Look, they they will sell you any book you want, which is great. Like as far as I know now, maybe they've been taking books out and I just don't know it. And I don't not
0: the Aaron cookbook a few months ago and it was still on there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and hell, I mean for the for for books like that you can just use uh, what is it library.lol or something like that um <clears throat> uh it's called library genesis uh, but anyway yeah so amazon doesn't suppress information quite as much as its sort of cohorts in this big tech space but on the other hand i mean look amazon is providing cloud service to the to the cia they won another bid for cloud sur- cloud storage for uh, uh, DARPA or Space Force or some, some kind of fringe, weird defense agency in 2018. And that is officially enough when Donald Trump started talking all kinds of shit about Jeff Bezos because they backed out of it. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Amazon's just as in bed with the federal government, maybe even more so as the social media companies. You know, I mean, there's something to be said for the idea that, you know, if you're buying the anarchist cookbook off Amazon, they've got your name and address and credit card number. And, you know, who knows what else? They they can just fork that over whenever, 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 you know, the Department of Homeland Security asks for it.
0: I mean, for people like me and you, it's almost just safe to assume we're probably on some list, anyways. So, not that I, like, I know, me and you aren't the burn it down type anarchists, but it's still like uh, I don't feel like um, the um, the cathedral or the Fed boys are as good at a uh, discernment, so they just kind of lump us all in yeah. the same group. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I figure if if I'm on a list, look, I've got 1,100. I've got 23 fewer Twitter followers than I did a week ago. I tell you what, <laughs> uh, but uh, I i've got you know 1100 twitter followers i'm a, i'm a nobody for now which is good um I'll, I'll i'll i can be on a list i guess but they're not coming after me yet i don't think
0: yeah, i'm not too worried about it either i also i live out in the sticks so it's like i mean if they want to try to red flag my ass or some shit i mean uh i, I, I i'm i'm somewhat ready <laughs> probably won't win but uh you busted my house in the middle of the night there will be return fire
1: <laughs> tell me tell me about tell me about where you live do you uh like are you in just like a plain old suburb or are you like way out in the country or
0: it's like kind of somewhere in between uh i live in a uh it's like a it's, it's a deed restricted community so but it's a it's like i guess the way that the, the community was made is every every lot has at least an acre so oh, cool. I guess there's a plan when they made it. I have like two, but and, I, and then on top of that, I'm my land, my mine's at the end of the cul de sac, and the cul de sac at the end has like tens or maybe even hundreds of acres of woods behind me. So like I'm butted up against a wilderness preserve. So, so uh, yeah,
1: I I have trouble envisioning this. Is it um like just really long skinny properties? I I can't imagine living on an acre and also living on a cul de sac. Uh,
0: no, I mean I probably have. I don't know. It's probably like 50 to 75 yards from like my property to my neighbors. And then obviously behind my house is like, uh, is nothing but, um, like basically to put it, to put it bluntly, I could piss outside and, and okay. in both spots and it probably wouldn't be an issue. I mean, there's some areas where people could see me, but I have a, I have a fairly decent size and there's like foliage and stuff. So like, and the, yeah. And then also on top of that, there's like, it's a country area. So it's like, I don't know. Like it's all, it's all like redneck rich people. Is kind of what where I'm at. Is basically (laughs) that's what it is.
1: Do you have to walk? Do you have to walk super far to get to your mailbox?
0: I wouldn't say super far. I mean, my my uh, I'd say my driveway length is probably like I don't know, seventy five yards maybe. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know, not too bad. I mean,
1: (laughs) I'm uh, sorry. I'm I'm really considering this uh, moving out to the middle of nowhere thing, and like. You know, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. I don't necessarily want to be off grid, but uh, I don't I don't want to know my neighbors unless I have to, like unless I want to, I guess.
0: Yeah, um, if you hit me up because uh, I'm in Florida, and I mean, Florida. You know, if like going forward, I I think if uh, the way I think the things are going to go in the future, I feel like there's certain areas you want to be at. And I think Florida is probably one of the states that's going to be on the uh, better side of things.
1: Well, if I'm going to go to a different state, I mean, it'll probably be South Dakota. It's right next door to Minnesota. Um, and we we kind of want to be close to my partner's family. Although, you know, my my family's in Texas, so maybe we'll go somewhere between uh Iowa's Iowa's pretty all right. Um or hell, I don't know. <laughs> Florida, Florida scares me because of all the Florida man stories. Anyway, why don't we get back on topic? What's uh what, yeah, let's, what, let's what, that. what were we talking I, about?
0: I was actually thinking earlier this is totally gonna become just like my episode with Patrick McFarlane that we found out we had way more chemistry than we thought we would from our first talk. Ah, uh, this is totally gonna have to probably be a two-parter because I really did want to touch on like my episode of Sal and your episode on Pete because they yeah, got okay. perfectly contrast each other. But I totally don't think we're gonna have time for that.
1: I, I, I love Patrick McFarland so much, and I've got the tab open for your episode with him, but it's an hour and a half long, so like uh, I haven't I haven't put in the time to listen to it yet. Um, oh, I, I love he's that dude great. so much. He's so great.
0: Yeah, we uh, have like, great chemistry, and he's just a, just an awesome guy. And it's like. Like, we probably, honestly, from, like, the stuff we were covering, because we were doing a 2020 in review, and I didn't realize how, I mean, I've listened to some of his content, but just, like, then once I started riffing with him, I just, like, feel like we did really, just really played well off each other, and I'm, like, mm-hmm. we totally could probably done, like, six hours on on it, and it's, like, we got to do this in, like, one episode, because so, I can't, I mean, it's already, like, Two weeks into 2021, and I'm like, we're trying to schedule a second episode for 2020 in review. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> I could not do a 2020 in review thing. I've been watching, I've been reading Pete's 2020 in review on his Substack, and like all of this, I don't even remember it. Like 2020 to me was COVID. That's it. And it was me bitching on Twitter nonstop about COVID. I am mm. sure so much stuff was happening behind the scenes that I didn't even know about. Um, I had yeah. Scott Horton on my show to talk about the peace treaties. Uh, we didn't even get around to that because he just gave me a whole history going back to like World War II. But uh, anyway, so, okay, great. Yeah, that Let's was one uh, thing
0: me and Patrick kind of realized as we were going through ours is how fucking like how much that there was. Because as we were talking, we were remembering other things that came up and we we're like, oh, shit. Like, for example, the Soleimani thing, we we're just kind of like, oh, we, we just both forgot about this completely. And it was like. Was that in 2020? Yes. And it was huge. <laughs> so that, it
1: was like 2018.
0: No, that was wow. 2020. We totally assassinated a foreign leader. <laughs> 2020. A foreign leader of a of a country we're already pretty, have pretty shitty relations with. <laughs> wow. so, yeah, no, that was insane. I remember like, as he said, I was like, holy shit, that was this year? <laughs> but yeah, no, we'll bring it up. You mentioned, this is a really terrible sub segue, and I meant to bring it up earlier, but you're on a roll. But we'll do, we'll I'll bring it back to segue anyways. You mentioned the cathedral earlier. And uh, I thought it would be a great segue to bring into one of the points I want to bring up is the LP's response to the uh, (laughs) capital building thing. So you obviously have some stuff to say about that. So I'll let you rip.
1: (laughs) Look, the LP, they, they took exactly the take that you would think the LP is so did reason magazine. I've been so disappointed with reason. It's my favorite magazine. I wrote Nick, Nick Gillespie a letter uh, once and, was like hey man i'm down on my luck and i i'm really like interested in libertarianism uh i just wanted to write you and let you know i like came across one issue of your magazine um and i appreciate everything that you're doing and one of these days i'll subscribe and he gave me this was when he was an editor-in-chief he gave me a free subscription like for years uh i owe a lot to to reason magazine and to see them take such blue-pilled positions on everything it just breaks my heart, especially with Catherine Mangu Ward in charge there, because like finally we got this anarcho-capitalist chick with purple hair in charge, and she's like, "Oh no, I I just want I just want you know s- safe and secure elections and all that." She's, I mean, she's not even in favor of elections. She's a non-voter for crying out loud. Anyway, the LP's response: Yeah, uh, just so you know, everyone who ever becomes a libertarian uh, has to sign this pledge to to uh, fucking uh i can't even say it reject political violence or whatever yeah which is not the case no but, it's
0: violence that's not merited essentially we abide by the nap pretty much the way i interpret it if it is violence against the state it is merited it just may not be smart yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and then you kind of went into that with your episode with Pete. sorry you go ahead
1: no it's fine the yeah i want to find the uh Okay, to to validate my membership, I sort of, and this is this is the other thing about the LP. They will they will just go back and forth between talking about libertarian and libertarian party member, which, to me, I mean, you just have to look at the last not not Joe Jorgensen, but uh, the prior several presidential candidates to know that there's a big difference between a libertarian party member and a libertarian. Um, Jorgensen is the most libertarian person to run on their ticket since Harry Brown. Uh, if for all her for, for all for all her faults. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah to valid- i, I threw,
0: Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's what totally like got me on the track of full an agorism. Cause it was just like in this year, like don't get me wrong, she wasn't that bad, but just in this year, how you weren't just like coming out just fist yeah. flying, just like like fuck this COVID shit, like you can't be doing this. Just like just the complete cathedral position on everything. You know, like yeah, but sorry, go ahead.
1: All right. So the, the pledge is to validate my membership, I certify that I oppose the initiation of force to achieve political or social goals. That initiation of force is a really, really key term. It has nothing to do with political violence. And look, don't do political violence, kids, because it's a stupid thing to do. You, you don't like, like, like Pete says, channeling Machiavelli. You don't, you don't enter a war that you can't win. And storming the Capitol, or assassinating a politician, or uh, you know, flying a plane into the World Trade Center, or whatever, is not going to further your goals. So don't do it because it's stupid, but don't not do it because it's wrong. I mean, any yeah. any any force against the government is is defensive, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, a great example of this is I remember – I think it was a year ago or so. I mean it's so hard to gauge time in this current uh, climate, but I don't remember when it was. I mean it was a while ago where some guy got pulled over and he was getting fucked with by the cops. And like he had kind of been like, hey, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. It was some just standard pullover. Yeah. And he he totally was like, leave me alone and just was like completely being respectful, was like, hey, guys, I don't want to do this. Leave me alone. And then they just kept fucking with him. And it was I think it was like two or three cops. And all of a sudden, he had a gun on him, and he pulled it out and just blew him the fuck away. Just like – it was Whoa. like three or three of them and just offed him. And like for me – I remember like so many people were just like gas, like, oh, my god. And for me, I was like, yeah, he fucking warned them. I don't know how many goddamn times. Leave me the fuck alone. And they did not respect it. So I completely think he was completely morally in the right. Now, was that the most intelligent thing to do? No. That dude's going to fucking sit in prison the rest of his life if not fucking go – Take a seat in old Sparky. Like, he, his life is over. Like, that was that was stupid as fuck. But at the same time, I can completely respect that, like, completely morally in the right, nothing at all immorally was, was wrong with what he did. They completely just continued to aggress him. They were trying to yank him out of the car. I think they even tased him. Like, and he's just like, I don't want to get the car. I, d- I didn't do anything wrong. Leave me alone. Like, and yeah, and he just blew him away. I think he had, like, drugs on him or something. But, and that was kind of like what he just didn't, like, want to have to deal with all that. And it was just, Yeah. So it's just like completely more on the right, but just dumb, you know. This is kind of the same idea here, yeah.
1: I guess um, that also raises the question of like where where is the boundary on that though? The uh, so the pledge is again, um, I oppose the initiation of force to achieve political or social goals. So is is punching a Nazi the initiation of force to achieve political or social goals? Or, I mean, even more benign is punching a voter, the initiation of force to achieve political or social goals, or is it defensive? I mean, at what point, at what point does it become defensive? I guess is my question. What do you think of that?
0: I guess I get where you're getting at, but um, all right, if we're going to get like super autistic with it, I was like, say, I think the best example you brought there was probably uh, a voter. Now I am, while I am an agorist, I've said this multiple times, like it was actually like a minor disagreement me and Sal had in our talk. Is I kind of am like in between Conkin and and Spooner's position. I do not think it is immoral to vote. I just don't. And a lot of agorists think it is. I don't. I don't think it's immoral to vote, but I don't I do think it's counterproductive. I just don't think it's immoral because I it's the same idea as like something can be moral but not productive. It's the same thing with the guy that blew away the cops. It's like you kind of just fuck yourself over there, buddy, but you were completely moraling the right. And that's kind of how I feel about voting. I just, that's my stance generally. And I think that, like, so I guess in that situation, you'd really have to get in the weeds of, like, well, what did you vote on and why did you vote? And if it was you're doing it to reduce the scope of government or to reduce your tax, you know, on you or whatever, if you were trying to, like, essentially impose more violence on others, then yeah, I mean, technically speaking, sure. But it's also one of those things where it's like, this doesn't really serve your ends in any meaningful way, you know? So yeah, because it, yeah, I mean, I kind of rambled on there that, but I guess I kind of like anyone who meaningfully is taking on any sort of aggression against you. Sure. I think technically you're morally in the right, but now should you probably not. So, I mean, those those are different, different questions, you know,
1: I think also, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's a difference too, between defiling the Senate chamber or the, I don't know if I remember if it's the house or the Senate, but you know, this is some super hallowed temple of democracy that you know only, only, only the Congress people and their and like certain of their clerks ever even get to set foot in this in this chamber. Uh, and so, for these for these plebeians to just rush in here and start, you know, sitting in the chairs and stealing the stealing the lecterns and stuff like that. Um, th- so there's a difference between that defiling this sacred place. I mean, it's like smashing the, it's like smashing the golden calf almost. Uh, I mean, people have made idols of this. There's a difference in that and, you know, firing into the congressional baseball practice.
0: Yeah. Or difference. Yeah.
1: Punching Nancy Pelosi. If you, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, look, Rand Paul was in that baseball practice too. And, uh, yeah, exactly. You shrugged your shoulders for those listening, and and so what's the answer there? I mean, what what is justified political violence? I think, it's a it's a really tough question.
0: I yeah, think. I think it's it's murky. I, I think it's uh, I, I think we as. I mean, that's kind of the reason why you like, know to bring it back to Conklin again. I, I've always liked the idea that he had like the gray markets, and even then he would say that like it shouldn't be that necessarily. Uh, you should be completely in the white or the black. It's not like no one's expecting you to completely be like all of my income is outside of the state because that would be retarded. You're just going to like you're going to screw yourself over. So I, I think the same thing kind of applies to morality and question of this is I know we like to bring it down to like the NAP and just black and white, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's there are shades of gray. And that's also kind of why I mean, I go on this a lot. I kind of like a lot of what Sterner had to say and like it's not as simple as just this like binary things all the time yeah i think a lot of times we get too autistic and too just want things to be in these perfect little boxes and not everything is so and sometimes you have to think about like how is this going to serve my ends Mm -hmm. and like that kind of ties back to sterner a little bit and uh yeah i I do think that plays a lot into it now whether something's moral or not is kind of in some aspects almost in a lot of ways, kind of almost meaningless to some extent. I mean, I do think it plays into it in a way, but in the, the day, it's kind of like we were bringing up, like you know, we can say someone's perfectly morally in the right, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't serve you and your ends, it's kind of like why are you doing it? So it's kind of almost like the morality thing is almost like an intellectual masturbation, if you will, you know.
1: Mm.
0: So yeah, And I do think it matters. I'm not saying that doesn't matter. I'm just saying it is kind of like at the end of the day, like we're we're just we're kind of off in uh, intellectual la la land here, and at the end of the day, it's kind of like,
1: yeah,
0: if it's not serving your means, your your ends or whatever, it's just kind of it's it's a waste. Dude, we're at almost an hour, <laughs> and we still have so much shit to cover. But I, I love it though. I I like it when we're like when you have these episodes where you're just like going on and on, and you know how it's good. Let's uh move on from that. And I want to kind of go into the social media response, especially with like a focus on Parlor. I know you have a whole probably rant prepared for Parlor. Oh God. So, uh yeah. So now, yeah. Well,
1: well, let me let me let me just let me just clarify that like look if you put Nancy Pelosi or Thomas Massey in front of me, I would not advocate or want to do violence to either one of them. No. Um, and it's not just because I'm scared, it's because they're people. And like I I I I'm one of those people who like I don't even know if I would be able to kill someone in self defense. So um and like legitimate Imminent danger self-defense. So um we were speaking entirely abstractly before. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just want to clarify that.
0: Morally justified to do something doesn't mean you should. And that was kind of my whole point I was getting at too. Is and it's same thing, like, even though I think Nancy Pelosi is a reprehensible human being, if I had her in front of me, I I wouldn't even if I had some cosmic deity who came down and said, Hey, whatever you do here is like completely like off the books, no one will ever fucking know, you know, whatever you're you can just call this a pass. I still wouldn't do it. Cause it's like, this isn't going to, this doesn't do anything. This is just mindless, useless violence for no reason. And we, that's kind of, I think to some extent, kind of what we should be against to, to an extent, like, you know, like we shouldn't be like, I, I actually think that would be the opposite of what we want, you know? So just because you're morally justified to do something doesn't always mean you should. It's kind of also part of what my earlier rant was. And, that's why, like I said, if I had Nancy Pelosi in front of me, I wouldn't do anything like that to her, even if I knew I completely had a free pass from the universe or whatever. It just the why? It's just I'm not gonna just do violence, just to do violence. I just I'm 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 a human being and not a savage. So yeah, and I could kill someone in self-defense easily. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, right, my lizard brain kicks in.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, let's see, parlor. So I. I was beating this drum early and often uh, that parlor is a giant honeypot and libertarians should stay the hell away from it.
0: Not to cut you off, but you totally did on the, I think our first episode together.
1: (laughs) I've been, man, I've been saying it since Devin Nunez started talking about it last summer. I mean, look, you don't have a social media, you don't have a social network that is funded by the Mercers. Founded by someone who like, you just and and you just have to Google the dude that founded Parler. It's not like this is some conspiracy. You Google him. The, the first hit, I'm sure it's not anymore, but the first hit is his LinkedIn profile. His first job out of college was as a as a security clearance defense contractor. His second job was for Amazon Cloud Sur- or, or AWS, Amazon Web Services. Um, he took he, his so his social network is funded by the Mercers. Um, the, the kind of shadowy, uh, people who, uh, are, um, also funded Trump, uh, and it was heavily pumped, not by like just some random conservative. It wasn't like Tucker Carlson or Lou Dobbs or whatever. It was Devin Nunez, the ranking member of the house intelligence committee. Anybody with a brain can see that this social network is a place for the deep state to get a whole bunch of right wingers together, speak in their mind freely, thinking that they're in a safe spot. And the second that the deep space, the deep state got what they wanted from it, uh, you know, oh, they used it to plot an insurrection. Uh, they shut it down. And, the, the, uh, you know, whether Parler finds a new server or not, it's done it's 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 served its purpose and now it's serving another purpose of demonizing right wingers um, and also making them look stupid cuz apparently someone downloaded and leaked like all of their user data as well i mean it it didn't take a genius to see that yeah i don't know i mean it's total
0: maga country there too the only reason i was even on parlor is just, i do find it as being like a content creator a pretty decent place Cause it is nice. I do like how, like when you do put, put like YouTube links in there, like it does post, it allows you to watch the video in the app. And I feel like that's a big for someone who's a content creator. That's a great thing. But aside from that, it was complete like cancer. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's not. I, the, the thing like Jack Spearco is on it. I think Nicole sauce, a couple of the, the, the unloose the goose people. Um, and they're, they, they talk about how like, oh yeah, the big criticism of it, it's a right wing echo chamber. That's not the, that's not a valid criticism. Look, I mean, everything's an echo chamber. You surround yourself with echo chambers. I'm in like 20 libertarian Facebook groups. Uh, it's not, it's not about it being an echo chamber. You're, I mean, everyone, everyone who's normal puts themselves in echo chambers. That's not the problem with Parler. Anyway, so that's that. I mean, Parler, it got canceled, uh, good riddance as far as i'm concerned um it's no longer there to entrap people i care about along with q tards and other boomer terrarians and boomer right wingers and shit um
0: i wouldn't mind for it to come back but i, I do think it uh, i mean maybe it is like a a long con maybe you're right but it, it is like i don't know i feel like you take these friggin boomer cons and you friggin don't give them a place to talk. I, I think it's it's not good. Although I guess maybe maybe not because yeah. I, I was going to add earlier that it was like a, you it's almost allowing a wound to fester. It's kind of the whole – like I was talking about with the Obama thing, Obama thing. Like if you don't give these – you essentially curb their uh, their talking or them being able to you know express themselves, you're just going to end up with a problem later. And you're going to end up with a, <laughs> something akin to what they came up with like Trump or whatever. I mean I don't know if it would necessarily be a candidate, but it may – may backfire. Maybe I know Dice has been talking about a lot about having like, you know, kind of how they're doing like second amendment sanctuaries in some area. Maybe, maybe this will sprout a thing of like, Hey, we tried the system and it's not working. And now uh, we're just going to disregard shit that we don't like. And we'll, the stuff that we do like, we'll be like okay, whatever, but yeah. like, stuff like that. And I kind of, I, I think that would be fucking awesome personally. You
1: know? Well, uh, once parlor went down, every, every Trump supporter I know jumped onto telegram. I, I know that they jumped onto telegram because Telegram, I guess I must have given it access to my contacts and my phone, but I got notifications, just my parents, a couple of my friends, like everyone all of a sudden joined Telegram, um, which is like an encrypted chat app that is probably going to be the next one to be removed from the from the app stores. Good, Good thing about Telegram is that I think they're self hosted and like they really they really put a value on privacy and security. So that's cool
0: isn't Telegram just a chat app and then all there? yeah yeah
1: it's chat you make groups it can get really overwhelming
0: yeah i think um, i had like a minute i think it was like yeah. I say it was like a part of the problem thing maybe it was another app i'm thinking of and i just got annoyed with it real quick they're just getting notifications out the ass all the time and i was just like yep. yeah i mean i guess if you keep it to small groups it's great so it's probably great if you're trying to like say you're a boog boy and you're trying to have an off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the talk off the off the you know the beaten path sure but I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I just don't care to interact with people like that. I didn't really dig it,
1: but I mean, yeah, well,
0: that's I've got,
1: I'm, I just looked at my, I just looked at my icon. It's got 983 missed messages from, you know, I'm, I turn off, I turn off notifications from it on my phone, but uh, on desktop, I just kind of let it go um, and just check it every so often. Uh, there, There's a few really good groups like um, uh, Xavier Hawk. He's got his fire on group, which is Equal parts pretty cool, but also pretty weird. Um, There's there's a couple of people in there that are like just full on Q. Uh, So, and I'm at battle with Q. Let me. So before we before we like run out of time or whatever, I want to I want to put this kind of thesis to you. So we've already talked about they're a private company; they can do what they want, right? That's the like libertarian blind spot, and they're absolutely wrong about it. Libertarians are brainwashed by this. They're a private company. They can do what they want because these aren't private companies. The left is completely brainwashed and um, has a complete blind spot when it comes to like the science, capital, the capital science um, and academia and the media. If it's, you know, oh, you know, if this was true, it would be on the news or whatever. And the right now is completely because brain- you can't get it the right through academia and media they don't trust those ent- those entities and so they just had to come up with this cue to get them brainwashed and i think these three things um play right into the cathedral's clutches you know i mean the cathedral wants the right to be panicking about imaginary bullshit they don't want the right coming after them with their guns and they want the left on their side and they want the libertarians as much as they can get them on their side. And, you know, the LP and reason and Cato fucking, I, get, I got into it with Alex Narasta from Cato the other day. And I, I don't know if you know who that is, if you haven't been. Yeah. So I used to listen to the Cato podcast and get real into it. Alex Narasta is their immigration guy. And he's, you know, I mean, if you're into open borders and stuff, he's all right on, on immigration. Uh, but he was he was like full on private company. They can do what they want. I called him a, I, call, I called him a simp for fascism on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you're not even, you're not even, you're not even, you're not even smart enough to be an actual fascist. You're just a fucking simp. Uh, and uh, anyway, I, I, I get, I get really worked up about this stuff. My, my, um, my parents are, or at least my mom is real into that. She doesn't actually, it's weird. She'd never heard of Q. She didn't know what it was, but she, she knows all of the Q conspiracy theories because she like, um, she, well, she calls it doing research. Uh, I mean, all it is, is watching hour long YouTube videos of some dude sitting at his desk in his home office, uh, which I mean, granted, that's what we do too. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're getting, trying to get reliable, oh probably another place. It's just two dude bros bullshitting.
1: <laughs> I do. Right. Mean- well, we're not claiming to have insider information from Trump. You know what I mean? Like, so anyway, uh, how much? Like, do you have like a time limit? Are we are we like literally running out of time? We're
0: good. I mean, I generally like if it gets over an hour and a half, I I just feel like that's when you lose your audience. They're like, this is uh, this is too much. But no, uh-huh. I mean, I honestly, the the longer episodes I find to be better because it's just it's kind of if I, if we get to that spot, it's because we're fucking we're jiving,
1: dog. <laughs> cool. What are what are we at right now? Uh We are at one oh five. Okay, cool. Let's go to the next topic. Let's get this. Yeah. Let's get this done. We don't need to do two parts. We yeah. can. We can. We can lightning round this. Oh no, no there's
0: there's no way. I wanna. I want <laughs> I, I wanna focus more on the. Uh, I, I. I think we could at least do a thirty to fifty minute episode on the agorism politics thing. I think that'd be fun. Uh, maybe me and you can both go rewatch each other's episodes. Okay. And like, you know, get more out of it. Uh, but yeah, no. I kind of. I also want to get into. I mean, we can't go through this, and I feel like we're gonna go on some tangents here. Um, that's why I'm saying there's no way you have enough time. The, uh, Donald Trump just got in, got, became the first president to ever become impeached twice within his uh, presidency.
1: Okay. I think this is a complete, I think this is a complete non-story. I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it's anything. Uh, I, you know, I mean, look, if the Senate convicts him, um, then he can't run for president again because it will be a conviction for, uh, inciting an insurrection. Um, Yesterday, he was down in Alamo, Texas. It was really funny. Uh, Monica Perez, who I listen to religiously and I love, and she was just on my show. Go check it out, blackbird.substack.com. They made the mistake of saying that Trump was giving a speech at the Alamo. No, 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 no. Trump was in Alamo, Texas, which is a little tiny town on the border. Um, He was surveying the wall. uh, And he said something like, um, look, I'm safe from the 25th Amendment. Like, he, I guess he must have been, like, legitimately worried that his cabinet was going to remove him from office. He doesn't... He might. Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he doesn't know what's going on. Like, it, it wouldn't serve them to remove him from... uh anyway. His cabinet's nothing but a bunch of deep state people. People are thinking that Pompeo's on his side. Like, that's the big thing. Like, they they think that... Uh, this is the Q thing now. They think that um, Pence is... is are going to be arrested, of course, because they're all going to be arrested. Everybody's a pedophile or whatever, and they're all going to be arrested, uh, except Pompeo. He's going to be the VP in Trump's second term. Whew. Anyway, um, Trump acknowledges at this Alamo, Texas speech that Biden's going to be inaugurated, but Trump's not in danger of the 25th Amendment. And he said, uh, but um, the, the Biden administration better watch out because it's going to come back to bite him. And that to me sounded like he was going to run again in 2024. I, I mean, I can't imagine the Republicans would be dumb enough to nominate him, but do Republicans have done, have done dumb things in the past.
0: I wouldn't so, be too surprised. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's kind of become more, more notorious than the GOP in itself. In in a way, I mean, yeah. I think it, I, I do agree that like, he probably wouldn't be able to do it again because I feel like they kind of had just, uh, I know they had kind of put up their shields with Ron Paul a little bit, but I don't feel like they really had their shields up high enough. Like for example, what happened this year with Tulsi over in the on on the uh, with the liberals, they kind of just shielded her out. I feel like, and they kind of I feel like part of why Trump even got in was because Hillary was trying the Pied Piper strategy. She was trying to get him to be the nom- nominee that way she could have an easy layup to get in. But little did she know, <laughs> you know like that, that was I mean, supposedly that was the the what she was shooting for. And it completely backfired. So it's like I also think it's the GOP just kind of had a blind spot up. And they just – like I don't think they realized and, or knew how to deal with him. It was just – I mean I don't know. there's so many different ways you go with it. Just like how government just sucks. It's like they just – someone just came in and just kind of generally talked kind of like a normal person to some extent and just completely blew their shit away. And <laughs> that's all it took because they just been so inundated with their, only their own people for so long and he was able to get through. But I, I do think it will be kind of the Ron Paul effect where it's like it's probably not going to happen again because, mm-hmm. like, you know, they kind of – they shielded Ron Paul out, and after that, they kind of were like, you know, this shit ain't happening again, you know? And I still feel like it probably wouldn't happen again with, with uh, Trump. But I do think he has the the real grassroots support for it. Just I don't think – I think the uh, establishment would do every damn thing they could to keep him from yeah. running again.
1: I think the party know? would be ready for it this time. Yeah, um, I was going to. The other thing, you know, I mean, Jeff Zucker was in charge of NBC when Trump was on The Apprentice. They were buddies. And then Jeff Zucker was in charge of CNN when Trump was running for president. And Jeff Zucker is like the one who made Trump an actor. He's also the one who made him a politician. I mean, you know, it it, to to. It's not it doesn't seem like a stretch to me. That CNN invented Trump the politician in order to boost their ratings, and I mean, you know, obviously, you just have to you just have to look. You you can see that the the main establishment corporate media. uh, I mean, this has been this has been a bonanza four years for them, Uh, and who knows how they're going to stay in business after this, but. And they just gotta drum up all kinds of new stuff. I, I mean, you know, and you just have to look. I, the 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 latest on COVID is these freaking mutations of the, of the virus that may or may not, spread faster or may or may not be resistant to antibodies. It's the most ridiculous. It's just so. It's just so dumb. We did
0: touch on that earlier of how like I was getting at that was like one of Yarvin's things where he was getting at how like, the media like really during Trump's. Trump's reign just kind of like it was a boom for them. Mm. And I think a lot of people forget during the Obama years how much they were just dying and becoming irrelevant. And so I do think that's going to be really interesting going forward. I feel like mediums like we have are just going to take over. Because, I mean, how many people watch podcasts? Even now, even with the boom they got out of Trump, how many people really fucking watch the news? And then even then, taking into account how many of those people are like 20 years from dying?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So –
0: I think it's going to be an interesting time seeing Which, how this body plays out.
1: And incidentally, that's about how long Yarvin says it'll take for his uh, sort of designed, um, like new version, you know, America 2.0 or maybe 6.0, um, depending on how you look at it.
0: To be honest, so, I've only kind of done a cursory review of Yarvin. I've watched pretty oh, much okay. all of it. Like, Video reviews, I haven't really read him much to because to be honest, I am interested in him, but I'm not interested in him that much. I mean I'm
1: you know. I'm super interested. I fall asleep reading his blog. I am a paid subscriber. Uh I find him incredibly fascinating. Um I don't I, I don't agree with him on everything, which is fine. Uh but you know, I, I appreciate him enough to throw him some money every so often. So
0: yeah, I like his thought process. Even if I don't agree with uh, where he ends up at, it's still very intriguing to see how he ends at, ends up at conclusions that he has. You know,
1: one thing he he's uh, I mean he's way over my head, and I think that's that's pretty common. The comment section on his stack are like, yeah, we don't understand most of this either. But uh, you know, he just like throws just random Latin phrases throughout his writing and stuff like it. It seems kind of pretentious, but you know, I mean, you 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 look it up, it's fine. Uh, what were we talking about impeachment yeah i don't think the impeachment's a big deal i think it's look they they were gonna do it they they couldn't not do it um the senate's not gonna vote on it until the 19th the day before the inauguration um if they vote to convict then it just means that he can't run again if they don't convict maybe he'll run again and so what as far as i'm concerned
0: I, I agree to an extent i think it's a, a a story and a non-story all at the same time because it is kind of like who fucking cares like whatever he's on the way out but at the same time it's kind of interesting that like you know they went after their hallowed ground and now mm-hmm. they have to make a fucking make a symbol of him i mean don't get me wrong there you would think that you would just like let you know just stop kicking a dead horse just let him fucking just let him go away just let him be real because if anything like you know, I think this doing it is going to fester more problems for them, you know, especially if they remove him. I, I like I think I don't I don't think he'll get removed. But if he does, I, do, I think that's going to be bad for them because I think it's going to it's going to really look bad on the GOP. And I feel like it's going to really disenfranchise a lot of voters. And so, I mean, great for people like me and you, because I'm all like, fuck, yeah, I want people to lose all the faith in the system they have, you know, lose that myth of authority or whatever. Like, that'd be amazing. But for them, I feel like that's a negative. But I feel like sometimes they don't realize this, and they just react in the moment, which is, you know, like I think it's because of their time preference; they just don't get yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Well, in technocrats, they always uh, they always overestimate their abilities, and they underestimate the people who they're, you know, trying to subjugate. I guess. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't know. I mean, to me, like the more division and the more confusion and the more anger and the more emotionalism that they can drum up, the better it is for them. Um, And maybe I'm missing the forest for the trees here. uh, But, you know, libertarianism is not popular. I don't think that most people are going to lose faith in government per se. They're going to lose faith faith in this government and they're going to want a bigger, stronger, more authoritarian government to take its place. And... On the other hand, I think that that's also what the technocrats think, and Lord knows they aren't nearly as smart as they think they are. So you know, yeah, this
0: it, guy your episode with Pete today, and I thought it was really interesting that he kind of brought up I think Engels is what he brought up, and how uh, how fucking he was going on about how they hated the anarchists because the anarchists just wanted to burn it down, and he was like, but if they just burn it down. They're just gonna they're just gonna immediately turn to the people that they they were saw as authority before. And like they're just gonna essentially rebuild anew. new. And so I find that really interesting. But at the same time, I kind of went to my episode of Patrick McFarland's my th- my thesis. I mean, not even necessarily mine, I've kind of derived it from other people. I mean, no one has an original thought. But like my thing is I think as these people clamp down power, as the powers that be clamped down power, I think they will have more power, but in a more centralized area. So I think it partially I do kind of like the idea of further division because that allows, while it will allow them to clamp down in certain areas, I think it will allow for certain uh zones of more freedom, if you will, you know, like outside the system, you know, you might get s- situations of secession or, I mean, I don't know, I know a lot of people have been talking about secession a lot lately. I don't think it's going to work out like, you know, people think of with Civil War, between North and South. I mean, maybe it'll be different states here and there, but even then it's almost like urban versus uh versus rural and it's like how does that even break down I, d- I don't know you know what i mean and with the technocrat going forward i'm sure you've heard of agenda 2030 and shit like i do think it's going to be like you are gonna have the urban locations that just like really clamp down i think you're going to have people in the rural areas outside of it they're going to have more of that freedom and i think that might be more how it breaks down going forward so I mean, and I think a further division will, in a sense, allow them to clamp down more power, but it will also provide more opportunity for freedom in different areas, if you will. So I mean, that's kind of how I look at it.
1: All right. Yeah, I I I I think that's that's more attractive to me. I, I like that I like that idea better. Uh, it also it also kind of matches with the the Great Reset's uh, sort of I don't know plan that uh, that that article that kind of went a little bit viral where, um, the writer was like, you know, I, I, it's 2030, I own nothing and I couldn't be happier or something like that. You know, she talks about how, you know, her life in the city is, there's no privacy. There's no personal property. You know, I mean, maybe she has a toothbrush, but she she certainly doesn't have a car. You know, if she needs a car, she just, you know, takes a ride share or uses one of those shared cars, like zip car or whatever. Um, but uh she talks about how the there are some people who just couldn't handle this technical advancement and they all fled to the country. And like yeah, I mean look, if you're going to let us flee to the country and do what we want, then fine, we'll flee to the country. I mean, I'd rather not. I like I like I've always said I love I love living in the city, but like I don't know. I mean in order to in order to enact this Great Reset, they're going to have to create a situation where people are not just like willing to accept it because that's never going to happen. People aren't just going to accept this revolutionary change. They're going to have to demand it and need it. Um, and that's what scares me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny too because I actually had John Bush on forever ago and he brought up that too. And I mean, obviously I'd kind of heard about it before. It's funny, I'd just gone off the heels of reading James C. Scott's Against the Grain, and it's just funny how history rhymes. And like, yeah, I, don't know if you, I, mean, I, I don't know if you've read it, probably not. I mean, it's a little more obscure. But in that, he kind of goes on how the earlier, uh, the earliest states were formed, and they were formed around the advent of agriculture. And so what happened is you ended up having the fertile areas were the areas that the state kind of implemented. But then he—he, he, the, one of the main, main points he goes into the book is how in those times, like the there ended up being essentially people who lived outside the fertile areas, and those were essentially anarchists or like people with like tribe type societies. And he was going into a lot in the book and how like if you look like at like fossil records and stuff, that you can see that most likely these people probably actually had a better standard of living. Like they looked healthier. Cause I mean, you look at like how agriculture works, and it's like they're you know just eating a shitload of wheat and bread and like just not eating like how humans are supposed to eat. And they actually generally weren't as healthy. And so the kind of one of the thesis is sort of of the book, which is how like there were anarchists that we just didn't really even realize. And just like history doesn't tell that story because history is told from the perspective of governments. And it is funny because when I when I first heard about the uh, like the 2030 agenda thing, I've never really heard anyone actually bring up this point aside from me, really, to put those two together. It literally is just a modern version of that because they're the technocrats are trying to implement the and the only place they can really implement that is in the urban areas. It's just mm-hmm. not practical. In the rural, And we're going to end up with a basically like I see history rhyming and having like a repeat of it. And you're going to have people on the outskirts to have a completely different style of life. And it'll look very foreign and maybe even almost like backwards to the people living in there. But I think they're going to have more freedom and more liberty, you know, and I mm-hmm. think it's going to be better in the long run, you know. So I just, I've always found that to be fascinating. That's kind of where I've derived a lot of this from was that. And I just, I don't know, I, looking at history kind of, I think helps tell where things are going. And also not to go too far to go too much into like another rant, but I also find it really uh, reminiscent of the agoristic re- revolution that fucking Conkin uh, talks about in NLM. Like, cause he goes into how like, we'll they'll start being f- like pockets of statism and stuff. And obviously we're like, I mean, obviously in these rural areas, even in like what I'm talking about possibly happening, are not going to be full on fucking like anarchy and shit. Like there probably would be some form of government, but it's still going to be you're going to see that contrast between there and the urban areas. And so I do think it really is very reminiscent of what Konkin goes into and in like the, the, the agorist revolution and how you're going to end up having pockets of government. I think that going forward in the future, I think it's going to be a beast that slowly dies and it's going to assert its power in smaller and smaller locations. You know I mean, maybe it'll make a resurgence at one point, but uh, just I, that's what I see going forward, you know yeah, I mean,
1: you just have to look at all the county sheriffs in you know mostly rural rural areas who refuse to enforce the covid restrictions. I mean, you're gonna see more and more of that, especially, and this is something that Jason Stapleton used to talk about a lot uh i don't I don't listen to him really anymore, but uh back when he was doing his like libertarian podcast um He was saying, like, look, if you're going to ever run for office, run for sheriff. That's the chief law enforcement officer of your county. And, you know, that's the that's the office that can make the most difference in the way your local area is run. And, you know, I I think we're seeing more and more of that. You know, you set the stage for how these laws are going to be implemented. Um, You don't really get that like as a mayor where you've got the chief of police who may or may not even be, you know, uh, reporting to you. Um, But as the County Sheriff and especially out in the like unincorporated areas that you're patrolling, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of good that you can do. Uh, I remember what I was, what I was driving at. Oh yeah. So that's, that's, that's a big reason. That's a big part of the reason why, you know, those areas out in the sticks are going to be, the places where you're going to find freedom, even if you're in the middle of a big state, you know, and not even too far from a big city, uh, because this the county sheriff who is the one who's in charge of I- implementing all of these things um, is actually responsible or responsive to the people, because you know, in general, they're elected. It's one you of those. Probably
0: f- knows smaller area. Yeah. the smaller they, more. The less distant you are from your elected officials in a sense, so yeah,
1: true it's one of those it's one of those rare occurrences. and you know i mean i'll i'll, I'll I don't think democracy is great, but local democracy, i mean if you're if you're just a county or a city or a town or a village or whatever, is probably the best way to run it, really. I mean, what do most people want? It, it, and if you don't if you don't if you don't get what you want, it's usually not going to be too bad. Because you'll be able to complain to you know the people who you know around you. So, uh, anyway, I, I'm I'm running out of I'm running out of brain energy, and yeah. I see we're at like 123.
0: So, yeah, I think we're at a pretty good spot. I mean, I don't know if you have any other uh, major things you want to bring up. This is kind of we kind of got through all I really want to go through. I like I said, I did kind of want to go into that other thing, but now I'm realizing that's a whole other episode on its own. So yeah. well, maybe we can well, schedule for that.
1: And yeah. the thing is, I don't I think that you and I are more on the same page there than Sal and Pete. I mean, and Pete isn't even on a different page. He uh, you know, on my show, he was like, you know, look, I'm not a I'm not a maximalist on anything. I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist, I'm not a gold maximalist, and I'm not an agorism max- maximalist. He thinks that agorism is the best way for an individual to gain freedom, but it's not sufficient. Like you know, you're even, even living as free as you possibly can, you're still going to have the state bearing down on you. So maybe that's a preview. Um, maybe I need yeah. to re-listen to both of our episodes. Uh, yeah. I, think,
0: uh, I think it'll be fun. Uh, I do think that's a good, interesting episode. Uh, I was foolish for thinking we could just squeeze it in as an aside.
1: <laughs> Not me, like, man. Did you, did you, I was on, I was on the, I, I don't, I don't think of myself as like a talker but apparently i can just ramble forever or i can bring out rambling and other people because like i was on daniel elwood's movie review podcast the, the uh, actual anarchy we were talking like from the from the from their opening show which isn't broadcast to the very end we were talking for like four hours it was insane um so i must have gotten that from my mom i don't know
0: yeah i told uh, you i multiple times that you need to not talk down on yourself so much. Cause I know you, you, and it, it, I, I do the same thing. I started as an interview show, You're an interview show as well. But I mean, I do think you totally could do a solo thing if you wanted to, you know, I mean, but I think you're a better conversationalist than you, you believe, but it is, it's kind of like a nice little crutch for guys like you and me to be like, we'll just bring in someone with interesting ideas and let them go. And you yeah. know, you kind of put yourself down and be like, I don't have interesting ideas as much, you know,
1: but uh, well, I don't know. Funny you should funny you should mention that as we're winding down. My uh, so my rebrand also involved going to a new host. Um, I'm now on Substack, um, which look if you're starting a podcast that's not going to be like a YouTube streamed thing, um, Substack is the way to go. I think uh, it merges everything you'd want from like a Patreon without Patreon's baggage, um, and then also just free podcast hosting, which is really cool. Um, but for premium paid subscribers. Uh, I'm going to be doing some solo episodes and some writing and stuff like that. So that's something to look forward to. Um, it's like 10 bucks a month, I think. Are you am uh, going to
0: pay for it. Or are you talking about for, to be a subscriber?
1: To be a subscriber. Um, uh, I've got a discount running. I don't, I don't remember what all I've, I probably should have looked that up before we started, but you know, and if you email me or sign up for the free thing and reply to an email, I can give you a discount code if you just want to trial or whatever. Um, but uh, that's at blackbird.substack.com. Um, and then one thing that I'm really pumping right now, and this is, you know, I've talked to John and Derek, but, uh, you know, this is just something that I'm super bullish on is this greater reset, which, uh, it's being put on by John Bush and Derek bros of freedom cells. Um, and it's pretty cool. They're doing it the same week that the Davos crew are meeting in Davos they're for the great reset planning, um, which is January 25th through that week uh they're doing the greater reset and i am really really strongly encouraging everybody to sign up for that at greater to um kind of learn about agorism and uh other things too uh, there's a whole there's a whole long list it's like four or five days long so
0: yeah i'd highly suggest for you guys to go check out uh uh fucking james last episode with pete and they uh they had a preview in there for it one that episode was a good episode i mean you guys kind of wanted a lot more than what we talked about and it was i yeah. thought it be really interesting. but uh yeah i do think that it was really it was really cool the trailer for that uh you know just it seems like a really cool idea and i mean i like john bush i like Derek bros i like just the generic concept of being like fuck your great reset
1: so- <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, think- yeah, that's that's a couple of the, uh, my episode with Monica Perez, which I posted uh, earlier this week is also good. Um, and then Derek Rose just posted a video on his conscious resistance thing that uh, I don't know if you do like links or whatever, but um, that's another thing to check out. And if you know, if you just go to conscious resistance.com, um, I think it's called like. Oh, this is so professional. <laughs> It's like typing on the screen. Um, it's not even consciousresistance.com. Whatever, it's conscious resistance, and uh, it's talking. He's talking about um, how uh, the tech companies aren't private companies, and it's really. I don't. I don't know why this is such a bugaboo for me right now, but I think it's really important that uh, that libertarians come around on that, and that they do it pretty damn quick. Because these are the people who are going to be running our lives. This is this is the state. Like it's yeah. it was a, it was a blind spot for Murray Rothbard because Murray Rothbard wasn't living in the early twenty first century um, when the state and these mega corporations were merging. Yeah, like so. I've
0: implied multiple times in this episode, I really do feel like they are overstepping big time. But if we allow them to overstep and don't act on it and use that energy of them overstepping to counteract them, then it doesn't mean shit. And they just get to overact. And that's not even overacting. That's just an adequate amount of acting. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's kind of why I did really like the idea of this, uh, what, what John Bush is putting on here. So uh, with that, dude, it's always a pleasure to have you on here. Uh, send me any links you want. I'll put it in the video description. You got anything else you want to plug while you're here, or, or was that all of it? I mean, you, you, you kind of already did your plugs before I even did the whole. Oh, show me your plugs.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, I I jumped again. Um, yeah, let me read my Bitcoin wallet address onto the. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, just just send me cash. It's fine. I'll 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 figure out something with uh crypto. Um, what else? Is that it? I think that's it. I think I'm good.
0: All right, for me, uh, like I said at the beginning, I'm on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. I'm also uh, pretty much anywhere you can find audio podcasts. I'm on the Liberty Movement. This episode will not be the Liberty Movement. If you want some of my political takes and uh, also to get my content earlier, you need to be on this channel, uh, the No Way Jose channel. Uh, yeah, like I said, the, the Liberty Movement's on YouTube and BitChute. The Liberty Movement's also on Facebook and MeWe. They have a group. Uh, you can contact me at the Liberty Movement Global at gmail.com. Uh, like I said earlier, go check out app. Give me your feedback. It's something I've been considering you promoting. So and I'm a tech idiot, so I, I like the concept of it, but I need some feedback from you guys. Uh, like I said, it's always a pleasure having you on. We'll definitely have to do this again. I really dig it. <laughs> so, yeah, because, like, I mean, shit, I was like – I student is expected to do a whole lot more. It's the same thing, the same conundrum I had with Patrick McFarlane. You get with people you have such good chemistry on, and you're like, shit, this is going to be a two parter now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. The other thing, follow me on Twitter because I lost 23 followers in the in the Great Purge of 2021. So, yeah. you're about
0: follow me on Twitter too. I have like nothing. I just started recently getting on Twitter and I'm starting to enjoy it more. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it's Twitter's, Twitter's uh, fun. It's
1: addicting and it's fun. And it's, you know, our fucking overlords. Uh, so uh, car, was it Carr or Aaron? One of the one of the timeline Earth guys was like, "Look, the only reason to be on Twitter right now is to bring down Twitter." So, uh, <laughs> you know, let that be your let that be your motivation, if nothing else. Um, I
0: like to talk to officials, but
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. That's it for me. I'm I've uh, I've I've plugged all I have to plug, other than my earplugs. So.
0: James, you won't regret it. Like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good shit. With that, deuces.